Hello, welcome to Talking Fit. I'm Paul Rose. I'm here as ever with Luke Morgan. And today we're joined by a man who has, uh, he's helped me a lot in my career, to be fair. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for him. Uh, Dean Clark. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thanks for coming on. Just in two or three minutes, just give us a little snippet into you and who you are. Yeah, man, th- thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, 16 years old, boy soldier, uh, joined the army, naive, uh, needed to get out of quite a, quite a, a bad choice of, of late teens. Yeah, I spent eight years in the army, uh, went from, uh, within a couple of years of being in the army, I, I was selected to go and uh, qualify, the journey was to qualify for the GB biathlon team. Um, in true Dean style, at the beginning, I, I pretty much messed that up and picked going out drinking as a squaddy, basically, <laughs> over over something which could have been quite quite incredible. Um, yeah, moved through, went on an operational tour out to Iraq within about a year of that, like early career, um, out there with, with my regiment. Um, and in between there, just courses, building up, uh, one of my P company, parachute selection, never got to my jumps, but that was tough. That was a tough four weeks of my life, that was. Um, learned a lot about myself. Uh, came back from there. Um, went, uh, went on another course, uh, which was in uh, the Brecon Beacons, which is a beautiful place. Um, when, when I finished that, I, I had to go on an operational tour again, which was Afghanistan. Um, myself and my regiment were, they, we were you know, very honoured to be going asked and work alongside the Marines um, as, as a very small unit, um, basically, to, to go out into Afghanistan, Helmand Province, and disrupt disrupt um, like supply chains and big big, big reconnaissance operations um like big big boys dream uh, it, it was it was incredible to work with the guys out there um it was incredible to go along with you know some really good men from from my regiment um yeah it was quite a kinetic tour which basically means that you know there's a lot going on and then le- left there and my, you know, my, my, I wanted to take my career to, to, to as long as I could. I think a lot of people do, but I, I generally wanted to take it to, to next levels. Um, I was promoted on the back end of the tour to a full corporal. Um, and then when I got back, something changed. Um, like immediately, it was just like a cut, um, which was a shock to everyone, a shock to the regiment. Um, uh, yeah, uh, people assumed that it was because of decisions that, that I had made or, or been made or so on. Nothing was like that obvious just thought that was it for me um so i signed off basically as they said so you sort of spend anything six months to a year kind of prepping yourself getting out but that was when the olympics kicked off 2012 um and there was obviously a big a big issue with security and the british army uh, and, and other forces got pulled in so i was i was asked to go with a small team of people and, and teach the very very basics of the course so that the, the army could go in and and you know, go through the searches, learn the equipment, and and just build a very basic course over in Germany. Yeah, got back from there. It was a good opportunity to be a part of that. Got back from there, and and within weeks, I was discharged. Um, and that was it. My eight, eight careers kind of flew by. Um, yeah, I met some like some incredible men, incredible guys. Worked with some incredibly phenomenal soldiers. Some some of the elite out there. I was very fortunate to be able to do that and work alongside them. And yeah, after eight years, out. Is it something you've ever thought about going back to? Like going back into the military, maybe not kind of front lines, but in um, some kind of role? 
you know what? That's a question that gets asked a lot. Um, I'd love to, but where I am now, I wouldn't be able to. Uh, one, I think I've fallen out of the age bracket, but I, I'm, we'll, we'll get on to this later. I'm, I'm not mentally stable enough to go back. Um, but yeah, I, if I could, like I would say if somebody walked in right now, <laughs> dropped a set of bags in front of me and said, let's go, um, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. I really wouldn't. I don't know. I, I feel safe there, as, as strange as it sounds. I miss all the men. Like, you, you make some... Like, they become brothers. Uh, you know, we still keep in contact. A lot of the guys have left still in unit. But yeah, I would, mate. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm, I would go back. It's somewhere where I believe I belong. But nah, it's never going to happen um, for the reasons that I said. And when you left and you kind of came onto Civvy Street and kind of, I don't want to say normality, because for when you've been in the military, it's not normal to kind of come out. Um, well, that's what I've told from people who come out. What's that adaptation like? What sort of things do you, do you go through when you're going from the, a very structured, regimented kind of military lifestyle to just suddenly being uh, an everyday person yeah no uh, again it's a, it's a good question um do you know what i think everyone's experiences are different dependent on your army career um and also other services but it was hard um i i i do you know what i can't put it to any comparison to be able to get somebody to kind of understand that what a lot of British forces go through when they transition out of the army. You know, you, you're, going, you're going from a institutionalised place. Uh, you're told what to say, where to go, what to what to do, what to wear. Um, you know, you're you're in a close unit. You've got things uh, there, resources, um, and then all of a sudden you've got to come out and look after yourself, and you're exposed. Um, the, the the moment you're out, you, you're just exposed. You, and it's even things like. Like that. what the hell's council tax like and, and I joined at 16 so in a way I, I dressed I, I dressed I left as a 16 year old um, I don't think I had the only life experiences I had was inside the army and was inside my unit so when I come out that show so my adaption was, was tough really tough right? there's a lot of men and a, a lot of women that do um, and civilian street civil street it's <laughs> It's hard work, and I, I still find it hard now. Still adjusting to certain things, and I've been out since uh, 24, 25, so I'm, I'm, I'm out, been out a long time now. Over these years, how do you feel like you've adjusted with it all? Because obviously we'll get back into later, we'll get into later on as to what you've done since, of course, but now compared to when you first left, where, where do you feel like you're at? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question. That's what I got. Um, I think that I'm I've I've started to kind of fit into civilian life, a process that was brutally hard, brutally challenging, but I believe that I'm now adjusted to being a, a civilian. Um, but there is a lot of mental blocks that prevent me from doing that. Um, and yeah, I think I've taken a lot in my stride now, and I believe that where I am now is is 
as much as like you said, talk about it later. But as much as it's been a long, 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 long ass battle, basically, I'm I'm where I should be, which I, I believe I should have been a lot sooner when I left. But events changed that. Do you think um, the army or forces in general need to be doing more to help people when they leave? To with that uh, transition and just kind of give them a bit more information about what it's like in the in the non-military world, non-military environment. Yeah, I, I mean, it's you can you can always look at a process and want to change it, and you, a lot of people always blame what they believe is the cause, um, and and that, and that's why I believe it. it's very easy to you know. And I did at the beginning. I was kind of like. I've been left here, I've been left out, I've been done here. And again, I, you know, I don't believe that, that certain things need to change, but I do believe that things could change to benefit the men and women that leave that isn't being done or, or cannot be done. It's something that I couldn't at like my lowest level of leaving rank possibly have a massive comment on but I do, I do believe that there could be things that are changing. Um, I do believe that the, the, the transition could have other skills that people could learn. Um, people join the army at different ages. Like I said, joining at 16, like you're coming out, you are exposed. It's not to say that they're not doing what they are, and, and I'm not going to sit here and it's not saying, right, the MOD is not doing this, I'm not doing that. They're doing, they're doing a job, they're doing work for people, and, and they are supporting them. Um, and there is organisations that are out there after that will support them. But I feel like some, some, some guys, because they struggle with their mental health and they don't want to ask for help like I didn't, I don't think we, we also ask for the resources after. Um, yeah, you, you, when you sign off, there's a, lot, there's a long period of time. And that's, a part, that's kind of to get you ready and get you standing and, uh, and get you ready for civilian street. But... It's when you're in Civilian Street that everything happens. I, 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 I was still a soldier to the moment, in my eyes, I was still a soldier to the moment I got onto that bus and taken to the airport and even after that. So, yeah, like in a summary, I believe everything's being done that they can do um, and people might disagree. Like I said, it's always easy to blame what people believe is a cause. I think it's when people are out that there needs to be more resources available. Um, I do. I, I strongly believe that the the British forces, the armed forces, do need to be looked after a lot more when they're out. Um, so I, I believe it's when we're out um, and and have more resources, like things like homeless. Like I just don't believe like no person should be homeless. Like no person, but one person should be homeless. And then like you're getting soldiers and, and stuff like that. They're coming and it's not to say that other people that are homeless are not struggling, but there's, there's soldiers that you know, are homeless because of where they've come from to where they're hit. And I, I strongly believe, believe that. And it's not, not to separate people that have not been through the armed forces, but by any means. But I just believe, like, for some of them people, a high majority, that could have been prevented. And, and I, I'll be open about that, and, I, I, and that's what I believe. I, I believe that 
those people like that. It's a very small, it's, it's a minority. And I'm, I've been doing some work uh, with Bipolar UK, we'll get on a bit later. And I believe it's when you're out. I think that's what I believe, it's when you're out. And if we, under, if we knew why, the actual reasons, maybe things wouldn't be happening that are happening now. But I, I can only talk from what I believe. I, I can't talk of any way other than what I believe is, as me. It's my beliefs. So you talk about when you're out. Uh, I met you in 2014, 2015. So you've yeah. been out for two or three years at that point. You were established uh, in the fitness industry as a personal trainer, had a good kind of client base and were looked up to, respected by a lot of people by that point. So how did you get from the point of leaving the army from the way you described me, perhaps not having a lot of direction, not being sure what the next step was to the point of where you were when, when we first met? Yeah, I mean, it's like in and out. I mean, I look back and it's kind of in and out of like, I suppose, lows and depression. I don't really know at the time I found certain things to, to kind of help me cope. May have been drinking, um, excessively but on weekends and stuff I, I, I can't say at that point there was anything above that that, that was an issue um, I found myself in an environment where um, things like steroids I started using them but I used them without knowing what they are and that's you couldn't be making a bigger risk to your body um, like if you are going to make the decision to do them get somebody that knows what they're doing I'm not I'm not saying that you like. I'm not saying you believe you can, you do them and you should do them. I'm just saying that people are going to do them. Don't just do them off the back your back. Because I did. I learned the hard way, um, and and that would have affected certain things as well, hundred percent. So then, uh, you know, I, I went through business. I was working on a boot with boot camps, and uh, yeah, I got I got to um, where we was working. I'm not gonna say any names and stuff like that, but. Yeah, you know, I started to meet a couple, a couple of guys like you, and you, you come on board later. Um, I took some leadership role, which was basically a made-up role, um, and I kind of I got sucked in, I believe, a little bit. Um, and I was unstable then. A lot of people didn't know that, but I, I was very unstable then, very unstable. And yeah, when you know, and uh, I was being a person that I wasn't and for whatever reasons I can't put a blame on but it wasn't necessarily always me you always have a choice in life I believe that you always got a choice even if you like it or not but pulled pulled into something that I just believe that I shouldn't have been yeah I think um in hindsight um a lot of us who were part of that company will look back and say we were were trying to kind of fit in, trying to conform with something that perhaps we, we didn't entirely believe in. Um, yeah, we could get yeah. very excited about it and want it to be what you know want to believe in it but deep down there was always something that wasn't quite right wasn't quite not even wasn't quite right but wasn't quite right for us um and that as you say so that has that has an impact on um on a lot of things 
both professionally and and personally. Um, yeah, sure. From there, I know after you know a lot of us left that company around the same kind of time. Yeah. Uh, and you went to work with uh, Lisa Austin, who we had on, uh-huh. on a few months ago. A few episodes ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, yeah, working with her on on rock health and fitness. So just tell us a little bit about that and how how you got involved with that. And I mean, we don't need to talk about what you were doing there. We we know a bit about the the business side of it, yeah. but you know, more from a, a personal perspective, the kinds of how that was for you. Um, I, do you know what? Like, at, at the beginning, Lisa gave me an opportunity. Uh, that That's what I believe. Um, I come out of the back end of the last company quite badly. Some, you know, I was CC'd in something that I shouldn't have seen about myself. Um, and Lisa respected me in terms of a person and a trainer i've get i was get i believe i was given an opportunity a lifeline um i, I believe that she, she she she's somebody that will, will will do anything she can to help people she'll bend over backwards and put them first one of the most selfless people that i, I generally know so yeah I, I remember just pulling us in and she's like i've got an idea would you like to come on board and i was very hesitant to come on board with anyone because of what happened previously um, yeah, walked into a bar, a bar, <laughs> definitely didn't walk into a bar, um, so, talk about that another time, um, walked into a barn, <laughs> right, and um, I had my daughter with me, she was, she was young at the time, now, I was in and out of like a broken relationship with my daughter and her mum, <laughs> I walked in, I just remember looking going, what is this, at least she's standing there, like, she, she, she's got visions, right, she, 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 she knows what she's getting and she will get it. And I have a daughter with me and she's like hugging me like in tears because it was that run down the heart. Like she was like, like daddy, like what, what? she's like looking around like petrified. And, and to be fair, I was kind of little going, nah. Like I couldn't have been, I couldn't always see a future in my own head. So I wasn't the most optimistic person then. Um, no, I couldn't have been more pessimist at that time. And I was just like, now I could not see like could not see this happen, and then like some, something kind of changed, and I, just, I agreed to do it. I saw it as an opportunity, and yeah, went went through with Lisa, Lisa Austin. Um, yeah, she she gave it. We you know we we worked hard, and behind closed doors, she was working even harder, like relentless. And I tell you what, like how we even bought, how we even built that, like uh, with what I was going through, what she was doing, looking after me. And building up, like I remember, I remember times like we had no money, like I had zero. I, I just remember like eating porridge oats with water for like ages. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to go. Yeah, I feel sorry for me, but that's what it was like. like we stopped one income and came in, and yeah, it it worked. It evolved, um, and she should be very, very proud of what she's achieved because it is one incredible place i have not as a trainer in my life experienced what happens in around that that area and 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 land as such it's it is remarkable i think it's interesting that you're putting all the credit on lisa when 
speaking to Lisa, she'll she gives a hell of a lot of credit to you as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> she says it a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like to be to be fair, when I think about everything that's happened, like I find it quite emotional. Like I genuinely do, um, because. I had like such a close support network through, but she was kind of the core of it. Um, and yeah, I I watched what that woman went through. Like I said, to support me, to build that business. Like every, everybody went first before her, even me. So for me, I, ne I never see it as like any credit. I, I still don't know. I, I, I never will. And I, I don't mean that in like cutting my nose off, crying spite the face like that old saying, like, we just both shared the same dream and we both came from, you know, a place that we kind of relate with each other and we're both relentless workers, which comes at a risk <laughs> you, know, you can't do everything went in, like leaving there at silly time. So, but I watched what she was doing. I learned a lot about business. I couldn't have been less business minded. So for me, like what she did um, is, just that it shouldn't have worked and i mean that in like the reason why it works is because of the people that are in it and the relentless attitude that lisa has for vision like everything was against us and she and she it works like i said if you've not been there about busting a brand out right? you, you just just go and do one of the sessions you'll never experience anything like it it's, it's, it's incredible she, she deserves every single um success in the future from what from what she's done you said you didn't know much about the business side but surely all the lessons you learned from your military there was a lot of you know a lot of important skill sets that you could transfer to something like that you know the the hardship and you know, the probably scary times and things like that. What, what other skill, you know, we've talked about the hard stuff that you've dealt with coming from military back into civilian life. But yeah. what would you say the benefits that you've been, what are the, all the skills and attributes that you brought over as well? I think the, I think you, I think you, the way you behave, like behave and attitude, Right. Once you go in the army, your beliefs change you, you, and you, you get that mindset of being relentless and, uh, and, and being able to push things. And I think for me, the most the most sort of valuable skills was not as cliche as it sounds like not giving up. Um, I believe that's a skill like you could like resilience. You're not you're not everyone's born a blank slate like. You develop resilience is a constant development. Uh, speak about it later. Like resilience is constant, constant, constant. So I, I know my transferable skill was to, to was to be able to endure hardship. So I think that for me, big biggest skill, biggest skill, probably one of the only skills that, that I could noticeably think, right? The ability to be able to endure hardship. So you were with Rock for a few years. Like you say it's a successful business you you always seem to be doing well there i remember one day kind of seemingly out of nowhere lisa did a post uh with you in hospital saying you'd had a heart attack and it was a bit like shit what's what's 
happened here like you, you train all the time you know relentless with with your diet and healthy eating young and and suddenly you're in hospital having a heart attack so just tell us a little bit about how how that came about yeah i mean like it was a bit of like a smoke screen like it did happen i thought i was having a heart attack what actually happened after test is i got cardiovascular hypertrophy which basically means your right ventricle enlargements it could have been to do with growth hormones that I was taking before that. It could have been to the amount of stress of steroids. Like I, I generally can't talk about steroids because I just don't know about them, but there could have been an impact. It could have been the huge amount of food I was eating, like mind blowing. And it could just be the fact that the, the muscular system, the muscular um, and the muscles that I was carrying on top of my frame, the skeletal frame was probably taking the strain as well. Like I, I went from like an 84, 85 kilo person to like 118 120 like very quickly like really in a couple of years and it was a smoke screen like it did happen but it was a smoke screen so basically what what had happened in 2017 was that I attempted to take my life um and I it's like events can can happen and you know I'm not a big believer that something, you know, everything happens for a reason. I believe you create your own success. I don't believe in good luck, bad luck. Like it's down to decisions you make. Um, and it's a chain of things that lead to that one event. Um, and yeah, so basically what happened is a series of events and stuff like that in 2017. I'm, I'm more happy to go in depth about it, but yeah, I, I attempted to take my life. Um, like I was suffering hard. So it was a smoke screen. It was, that was what we said to everyone at first. It wasn't, I was in hospital. Um, I'd taken a, an extremely large overdose uh, with numerous things. Uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of faced, I was found by my girlfriend uh, laying face down, unconscious, barely unconscious. I'd been highly intoxicated. I took a lot of stuff. Um yeah, and then, then I was sectioned for a very brief time in Hackney. So all the way across then, it was it was just a smoke screen, mate. That's all it was. We used the fact that everyone thought I had a ticky heart, <laughs> a bad heart. Um, they weren't really wrong to a degree, but it wasn't life-threatening. But that was it, smoke screen. That's all it was. One of the things that's always spoken about uh, with regards to, to mental health, depression, suicide is the idea that, not the idea, but it's always pointed to you, you can't see what's going on under the surface with someone. Someone can appear really happy on the outside, have everyone, everything going for them. So for you, you were part of a successful business. You, you know, you got your daughter and, and yet obviously you're, you're in a bad place because you, you wouldn't have tried to take your life otherwise. So what, what kind of goes on in your head at that point? Do you, you know, you talk, you were talking about how, how much of a rock Lisa was for you and how selfless she is. Was that something that you, you just couldn't see at the time or was it just you didn't want to be a burden on her or was it kind of other things apart from that? 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're an expert in your own journey, so it's easy to look back on what what you you think that's going on. But I knew something wasn't right then. Like I was suffering deep in depression. I knew at some point I was going to take my life. Everywhere I was looking, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, yeah, so so I kind of knew it was happening. Like Lisa saw me go through hell. Like, like I've, I've been sat on her kitchen floor crying. Like, why me? I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I can't take this. I'd lock myself away in my 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 small house at the time. And like, so at that point, I knew something wasn't wrong. And like, it was so noticeable. But nobody else knew. And the reason why is that the minute that I walked into that gym. I just cry. I call it like the craft of the smile, um, and and people, celebrities, and people that we relate to, like you know, that's a that's a very prime example that the smile doesn't always say it all. But I don't believe that you know that's the face of depression. I just believe it's how people cope with it. And yeah, she saw everything going on. Most of the stuff wasn't seeing the stuff that I was doing on my own and things that I was kind of doing to myself. Um, and uh, yeah, as soon as I walked into the gym, the only person knew what was wrong with me was Lisa. No one else knew. Walked in, switched it off completely. No, no, nobody knew. So she had everything. She took the weight of me basically off. There was some, there was some scary times. Like I remember when I, I, I like I didn't realize like to go like I didn't realize bipolar. Like you, for for me, I used to get like urges. It sounds really weird, but I used to get urges of suicide. Like it was something that. Would, would come really quick like overwhelming um, and, and we didn't know how bipolar then and I remember one time I was in my car and I remember driving out of my driveway and I was trying to get away because at that time I was like I need to do something to myself I need to do something to myself and Lisa and her sister come out on a car and like we basically had a a <laughs> I say a car chase like, I'm not saying it was driving around like erratically but we basically had you know she was chasing me in the car with her sister and I managed to get away. I remember sitting in these woods, not, not too far away. I remember just sitting in these woods, like sat next to my car, just thinking, what, what am I doing? Like all of these people that I'm affecting, like it was hell. She took like, she took it all. <laughs> she's, a, she, she's, like I said, she's a remarkable person. She took a lot of strain. She's watching me basically to the point where I took my life. She watched it all. So at what point did you realise that you had bipolar? Um, it wasn't until I, I got, I went to like another brief stay in hospital after I, I actually tried to take my life again, tried to um, commit suicide again. And people don't like to say commit suicide, but um, yeah, I came out. That I was me. I was with the crisis team. I had to move back in, live with my parents, and, and I, it was PTSD because I was ex-army. It's very easy to go, you know, your ex-army, PTSD, depression. Like it's a, It was a very quick label. And I call it a label because I just believe it's a blanket part. Like somebody goes to the doctors and you know, they're feeling low, they're feeling down. And instead of going to the root root of the, the what, what they're going through, it's immediately, you know, you're feeling a bit depressed. Not to say that they're not. No one goes to the root of it. And that's when they went to the root of it. So basically, I was in crisis team for, you know, where they come and visit the house, they give you medication daily because I was a high risk. I was sleeping on a sofa in my mum and dad's house, not talking. And then with like one morning, I got up, showered. I hadn't showered for a long time. 
made myself presentable and I was like, right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back to work. And people were like, what? Like, what the hell? I remember this going, you're, not, you're ready to go back to work. You're not ready to go back to work. I was like, I was like, let's go. Like, in my head, I was like, I've got a business to build. I've got to do this. And I, I, I went at this top end scale. And that was when they were like, no, you know, there's something else going on. And I, I went to the doctors. He's like, you know, we need to speak to you, Dean. And it goes, he's like, you got bipolar. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, bipolar? First of all, I thought, and I was very like, I, I thought it was kind of just a thing that women got. I, I genuinely believed that. I was kind of like, what? That? Like, and then I was like, what is bipolar? And that was when, that was when I was diagnosed. It just happened like that. So it wasn't something that happened very quickly. Like it took certain events to get it. So, so it needed them to see your complete lows and then just a sort of bounce back of a high. Just still yeah. seeing the way you were yo-yo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was. They saw it. I kind of didn't. I just thought I was over it. And I remember going into one of like my crisis team carer into the, into the doctor's hospital in Leighton Buzzard, the, the mental health unit. And that was when alarm bells rang. rung. Like that for them, that must have been when alarm bells rung. But I was just like, no, nah, let's go. Um, literally like that. It couldn't have been any quicker. Like I didn't fade out of anything. It was bang. So that that just rung alarm bells for them. You know, they, 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 I wanted to be persistent with them and work with them as much as I could. Um, and yeah, they they noticed it. It couldn't, it couldn't have been any more extreme to what was going on. And at that point, did it feel like they almost understood you? Did you feel like you put more trust in them because they brought this over? Or? Um, do you know what? I wouldn't say understood. because I, I don't actually think there's a large part of me understood now um, okay. because of bipolar. Like, I don't understand it that much. I just experience it and sometimes it throws me. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's they understood. I felt that they, I felt that they had found an answer. And when you, be I believe that when you think you have an answer, you think you have a cure and you couldn't be any more wrong because that's the start of a next journey. So yeah, I believe it was like, I thought they had an answer and I still didn't believe anyone understood me because I didn't even know what was going on myself. But yeah, I, I would say it was an answer more than understood. There's a lot of um, misconceptions around mental health just in your own words can you just tell us what is bipolar how does it affect you day to day um first of all no two people a journey of bipolar are the same they're not we might have certain similar things and i believe that's like depression as well uh, I, I see depression h2 terminology as kind of a, a bracket that people fit into and then they have they then find more about them as they go through their journey so for me it's bipolar um everything can happen all of a sudden like one of my biggest extremes is the, the characteristics of excessive spending but what it is is i become obsessed with something so start a lockdown i went hypermania um and i brought like 64 books uh, one of the other things is that i become so productive it's overproductive um, I thought I believed I built a business in five days. I couldn't have built anything worse than a business, <laughs> but I believed I was going to change the world. Um, and yeah, I become over, over, like over, over enthusiastic. I actually come across quite, quite rude. Um, 
there'll be times in my house when I just can't concentrate and I'm, I'm literally just tearing my hair out. Um, the anxiety attacks, like I get so claustrophobic with the emotions that I come so overwhelmed. I, I have a panic attack and I, and it's, it's something that's so strong. Um, yeah. And it's little tiny things at the top end and then at the bottom end, like you, People think you're either one or the other, and it's waves. Like, you can go in and out of it. Everyone's different, and I cycle quite quickly. So if I go low, like, that is it. My motivation's gone. I will happily give up anything. My The hardest one I deal with is emotions. Um, I go through this phase where, imagine whatever, any motion, emotion you can feel, it goes zero. Like, and I when I say zero, and I, I see this happens really. I could I could have a loss of a family member, and I genuinely believe it wouldn't affect me. That that's how no emotions I have. The hardest thing is I have it towards my daughter. Um, you know, I, I love my daughter. She's my little blanket. She has with with like people like Lisa. She has saved my life. I don't want her ever to know that. But I will have no emotions towards her. I have no emotions towards. To, towards absolutely anyone. If I'm in a relationship, it tends to end then because I have nothing towards that person. That's hard to deal with. It's very hard to explain. And yeah, I, I can lock myself away. I can disappear, go off a scale. I can, I've, you know, I've deleted and started my life over and over again. I, d I deal with it every day by poem, one way or another. I used to think there was stability. It's an identity crisis. I don't, I couldn't tell you what stability is for me. I really couldn't. Everyone's different. Uh, and that's my experience of bipolar. Just a very few of them. So how do you try and manage it? I work as hard as I can on my mental health as possible. I will do everything I can. I call it marginal gains. Like it's a little bit like with your clients. You can't change too much too soon because habits like i can teach you skills all day long but i can't teach you behavior like that's your attitude and that's what i believe gets me through it's, it's not like a lot of people are like oh you're very brave you're very strong do you know what i'm not brave i'm not strong i can completely buckle melt down i could be walking around my house crying not knowing what's going on um but i take marginal gains and that's what i tell to people marginal gains i sleep as much as i can now I've completely cut my workload down. I ensure that I eat as healthy as I can. Unless I'm going manic, Jesus, you look at my bin, right? I, I've cleared the shop out of any possible food that everybody relates to as crap, which is not. Food is food. Like, that's in my bin. So it is just marginal gains. I control what I can control, and I try very hard to let the uncontrollable go by. And then I, I now have a support network. Like mental health, you, 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 you feel like you can do it alone, but I, I don't believe you can or you should. You should have a community around you, as small as it is. And that's how I deal with mine. I work, people, mental health, mental illness is very different. You've got to work on as hard on your mental health, even if you haven't got mental illness, because there could be a risk for you to, you know, develop a mental illness. It, me, you, Paul, Luke, Paul, like we're three people. We join someone else in this conversation. One of us, statistically, at some point in their life is going to have something 
battle with their mental illness. It's all about the marginal gains for me. You work very hard on your mental health. You work very hard on your mental health. Like, and now it's just changing the way I look at it. Just, that's those, there's so many little things, mate. So many, so many little things. So often overlooked as well, isn't it? Mental health. And the reality is, if somebody goes unconscious, they're just a person, you know, who's who's there, maybe still breathing, but they're just a person. There is no life to them. There's no conversation, no action. It's probably, even, well, we know for a fact, it's the single most important other than the heart. I don't know if it's one better than ever, but the brain is so important. It is the cortex, it's the computer. And if you're getting an error 404 every single time something bad happens to you, then you can't control anything. It's not like tearing some kind of muscle, some skeletal muscle in your body where you can still think and adapt. If your thought process is changing, it's, it's, it's everything. It's your personality, it's the way you are, it's what you think, it's what you do. Um, and I'm glad that over the past few years, everyone is starting to at least hear of mental health, whether they do a lot about it or not. Everybody knows about mental health now. They don't know about it as much as some do, as much as you do, but people are more aware of it. And um, every year when you get these trends, where is it's 50 press-ups for however many days, it, what people don't understand is it's not about that. It's just people trying to do anything they can to raise more awareness for men mental health awareness. So... Now, do you know what? You, you've put it so well. Um, and the thing that I was like, uh, you know, I've completely rebranded re myself. And I, I believe that the way that things are going to develop even more in a positive way, because it is changing. When I, when I speak, I try not to make it look like it's a negative, but it's not. Like, we're going through a world with sensory overload. Wow. Like, we have a lot to deal with. As people, humans, regardless if it's our own fault and creation, we have to. So I believe we've got to change the way we look at our mental and physical health. They're not separate. Like, let, let, let's, let's stop treating them separately. Like, let's start treating them the same. Yes, mechanics are different. Yes, processes are different. But, you know, I contradict myself for one sec. Are they? Are they really? They work hand in hand, in my, my opinion. That's what I believe. And the moment we start changing the way we look at these things, uh, mental health, physical health, and, you know, I, I talk about, like, labels with food. Like, change the way you look at food. Come on, man. Like, food isn't a cheap food. It's not junk food. You know, like, all these little things is, is changing the way we look at our mental and physical health. All of these little things. There, there's so many. And for me, like, it's great to pop a hashtag on something totally get it and it's another way of adding awareness totally and like you said things like the press-ups and stuff like that but also there needs to be another angle like there needs to be something else because i believe there's a big big gap between and i'll talk it is for men because i do a lot of men's mental health awareness like getting a man from not talking about his emotions and struggling with his mental health can't work out to trying to get him to talk my, there's a big, there's a lot in there that can, can, could, could happen or needs to happen. So one of the things I say about changing the way we look at mental health is, and I, I'd like people to listen to this and, and you know, and, and I genuinely believe this can help. 
one way of looking at the way of changing your the way you look at your mental or physical health is surround your if you can't talk about your mental health surround yourself with people that can um up if i had that from the start and there's a lot of men out there there's a lot of men there's a lot of women that will and i believe we learn from experiences like ourselves with coaches and trainers that's great we can learn from a book but we learn from experiences because every person is different and then what we do as coaches is we try and relate to them to be able to help them and develop and i just believe that's what that's one way of looking at it i i, I think that fits in the middle of getting men to talk you know and 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 where they're at where they can't talk so awareness is great and i totally get things like popping the hashtag on it and having all these things. But what I believe people need to, people need to do in larger platforms is, and, and they are doing it, there's a platform called And Together that just started. I, I tell you what, they've just taken, like they've taken the concept very beautifully. People that can talk, like let's keep sharing their stories. Like make people relate. Like, like if we're open about our mental health, people like that, like you become a voice for them as well. And I believe that starts to build a step up because one thing about mental health is you feel like you're alone. And by, I promise you, you are not alone. Like you, you are not alone. If, if I now, like I've been through it, I still go through it. I've, I, I've needed help in the past. I need help now. And I know I need help in the future. People look at me, it's like six foot four, covered in tattoos, boxing, like body, all of these things. Like I suffer, I can suffer. So I've got an I've got my experience to share. So you know, they're great. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, we need to do this. We need to have mental health awareness week. Yes, you are right. We do need to have those things. But let's get a hold of people's experiences and stories and let's get them talking more. Like, it's great influences getting celebrities talking. Yeah, that is wicked. Let's start getting more people. Like, let's start getting people that aren't celebrities, like, as much as and things like that. Let's, let's get people, you know, that want to talk about it. Get them out there. Like, if I, if I had like a video or someone spoke to me after my diagnosis, I was like, here, Dean, like, I've, I've got to the point where you are. Like, experiences might be slightly different. This is what's happening for me now. Like, this is what I go through. I don't know. Is that something to think about? Instead of what I did, I got given a leaflet, told I had bipolar and three sheets of medications on. And that's the truth. So if it's happening to me, it's happening to a lot of people. I'm so passionate. Like, come on, let's let's get people's experiences. Like, when if they're being diagnosed, like, let's just try giving them something else. Let's change the way they look at it, if you can. Like, it might not work for everybody, but I believe it will work for for some. Yeah, like that. That's what I think. That's what I believe, and I'm going to do that as well. I'm gonna prom I promise you, as long as the rest of our live, I will do that. I will change the way that that we people look at our mental or physical health. Well, that brings us on to the next bit quite nicely because you say you will do that. And from what I can see, you know, you were talking about two things really stood out. One is changing our the perception on a, on a wide scale and the wide scale approach to dealing with mental health. And the other is not separating mental and physical health, looking at them all as, as one thing, just as health. And your your online platform now your um online coaching from seems 
pretty unique from what I can see in that you are you're doing kind of traditional personal training type things. Okay, go to the gym, do these exercises, but you've also got a mental health section to it. Is that right? And you you're doing like mental health check-ins with with your clients and combining it all into one platform, which I don't know of any other services or or anyone else is offering anything anything like that. So you've already started making those changes and, and bringing those in. Just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with, with new element conditioning. Yeah. So, I mean, like everything that I'm teaching now is, is stuff from, from other places that I've adapted and so on. And what I've learned now that helps me, and you know, I'll put it into stages. This is always going to develop and it's going to constantly develop. So yeah, what, what I'm doing now is, is taking people, um, establishing, they go in a different way, a little bit like a business strategist called Simon Sinek. Like, why? A lot of people focus on what? That's the thing I establish with people. And it's kind of like, we, we forget that as a lot of times, as some trainers do and other people. And get them to understand that what itself is, is your goal, your how's your process, and why you're doing it. And that's hard. Hard to find on people. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of initial phase. Get them to, I call it cultivate. And after that, I get, you know, I go through people like trying to trying to understand how they feel at one time, self-care check-in. How do I feel? Why do I feel that way? Um, what am I going to do about it? You know, it could be any, it, there's so many situations in life you could do that. And then I say to people, you know, once you check yourself in with, with uh, yourself, you know, come on, let's, let's check, check yourself in with someone else as well. Like let, let's start sharing and talking. And then, yeah, I'll go, I'll go through like the processes. There's a number of different steps as well. Things about like minimalizing your life. I don't mean that going into your house or throwing everything away. I mean that take certain distractions away, get people to understand that there's a lot of things on those phones that we don't actually need. Now, I'm not asking people to delete Facebook. I'm not asking people to delete Instagram. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying. We've got to learn to live with them, not take them away. Come on, guys. Let's just live with them, right? And, and start changing the way they're used. So yeah, I get people to sort of understand that, that things about that. Everyone's different. Um, established routine. Like, again, I, I can't stand when I see these like, yeah, you want to be rich, millionaire. Like, check out these people. They get up at half four. Like, Elon Musk gets up. He does his emails. He does these things. Like, look, like let's be real. <laughs> like, what works for you won't work for someone else. So I get people to establish routine. And the reason why I get people to establish routine is because when routine breaks, there tends to be a reason why. Um, and from there, I get people to understand self-motivation, social incentive, uh, progressive monitoring, immediate um, reward. And it's not always the, the scales and stuff like that, that 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 I'll use with people. I'll find out what actually triggers them. And then as we go through through those kind of initial stages, is that I get I want people to understand that resilience is something that they develop. It happens every single day, every single different event. It could be the most littlest thing. Uh, is like you got to be resilient to go to ikea it says mind-blowing but come on like it's stressful that's resilience like you're developing it and i try and break it down to four stages like i've read i've tried to read a lot of books take resources on and like i said i'm not claiming to take hardly any of these things like these are things that have helped me that i want to pass on that if i believe that i had some of them in my early stages of my physical health and my mental health i believe it they changed them because it's working for me now and i just want to give people options so i talk to people like shock Happens all the time. Like, look, look at that, the most craziest one-way system in Ikea. That's shock. The next one's endure. You know, if you, I mean, go back to shock, look at, look at COVID back in March. Wow. Going down in history. 
then go through and draw. Like we all do it, enjoy. You know, like you guys know what it's like, like Paul. You, you, I mean, you you go out running miles and miles and miles. Like you enjoy that. Like you enjoy it, but you 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 have to enjoy the suffering. But how long for? And that's what I get people to understand. It's like how long for do you have to or should you have to enjoy? Then go on to like step three, and uh, we are incredible. We know as in trainers, like adaption is remarkable. So I want people to understand that they have to start adapting and they can adapt. Like, look at, look at in the personal training world, the, the adaption phase syndrome. Right? Can you use that and get people to understand that you're going to go through that process. Um, and then take them on to Thrive. Get people to understand what Thrive means. Like, Thrive is development. Right? So, and it sounds quite, look at a flower. Right? It's the only way I can explain it right now. Like, look at a flower. It goes from, not blooming to blooming. Like you don't necessarily see the transition because it happens slow, but it's a development and it's then thriving. It's using its resources. It's using all these things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's someone listening to this that will be like a flower, but you do it all the time. Right, thriving. It's not, it's not necessarily bouncing around. Like it's survival. It's development. Like Ed Stafford, what a guy. Gets dropped on an island. He goes through that and then something, an event happens and it, and it changes again. I want people to know that they are resilient, more resilient than they think, and they're going to have to keep developing it in so many different events in their life. And they're going through it now. They're, people are going through it right now. Like I'm, I'm going through this. I'm coming onto a podcast so, as a guest. I'm not, I'm not necessarily like I get a bit anxious about it. Like it's a bit of shock, but it's certainty. Then I'm going through that jaw phase. Like when we spoke at the beginning, I'm a bit like, right, still a bit kind of stumbled. I start adapting, we start talking, building a structure, and I believe now I'm thriving. That's one event today that's happened to me. And it's one event that's happened probably to you. Like, this is how I want people to change the way they look at their mental health. And then finally, I've read a lot of self-help books in my time. I've taken things out of them that might have worked to me, but I want people to create their own self-help book. I don't mean you've got to publish it. You don't necessarily have to write it. Like, I mean, one of the most powerful tools is a notebook and pen. I mean, come on, right? we're storytellers at the end of the day, right back to well before the agricultural period. Like we, we tell stories, like pen and paper is a good resource. Unfortunately, it's replaced by computers and phones. And yeah, I want people to know because what I want people to understand is that they're an expert in their own journey. Luke, you are, like Paul, you are, I am. And it's also a constant development. And that's what I want people to realize. I want them to take away that. Those stages, I know, go between them, develop them, go through it. And then people can look back and figure out what works for them and what doesn't. So I really like the framework. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. So you mentioned the books. You mentioned you bought 64 books at the beginning of the year. <laughs> what are your three favourite self-development <laughs> Oh, mate. It's on. <laughs> oh. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so first one. Uh, Guy by Joe Owen, 10 Steps to Resilience in a, a, a Personal Life and a Business Life. That, that gave me this kind of concept a little bit. I looked and I was like, man, he's got some good structure here. And wow, there's some powerful stuff in it. And then in my head, I was like, I ain't going to slay Joe Owen. But I was like, man, there's 10 steps. <laughs> That's long. Um, so then, then <laughs> like it is, isn't it, really? <laughs> Jesus, man, some people struggle getting out the door. Do you know what I mean? Trying to learn 10 steps. I'm like, yeah, like Joe Owen, highly unlikely you're going to listen to this, but still, <laughs> bit long, mate, 10 steps. Um, and then, uh, what's Edgy? 
is uh, wow. The guy is so clever, and he has crafted and created a book that is so powerful. And I, I would like everybody to read that book because you don't have to be interested in the fact that the bloke swam. Which one are we talking about? The art of resilience, or yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't even name it. Ah, oh, like, <laughs> like that. That stuff, like life changing. Like, it really is. I sit there and I'm just like, I, I've read it twice. Like the guy is phenomenal. He's constantly developing himself and he is using science and he is, he's changing the way people look at their physical mental health, but 100% in his own way. Like that book is another level. Um, I've got them all here. I've got to look because I've got them in order. A bit freaky, isn't it? Um, you know what? It's got to be, and I'll be honest with you. I saw this by, by Josh Taylor. Right? We used to work together. He's on your podcast. The bloke is next level, <laughs> one incredible coach, and bloody hell, he is like phenomenal what he knows. Science-based coach, trainer, wow. Um, and I could ask sneakily looking at his Instagram like, oh yeah, I'm learning something. Like, he's an educator, phenomenal. So I saw this book, I don't even know I'll show you, it's not a video, right? But it's called A Brief History of How We Fucked It All Up. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> we couldn't have really like messed it up anymore as humans. Um, it's a very interesting book. It's very lighthearted. Um, Tom Phillips, yeah, Tom Phillips is, uh, looks at life very differently. And yeah, they're my three books. They're good. They're good books. So yeah, slightly different direction. It, we kind of touched on this pre-show. I'd always seen you as a bodybuilder predominantly um as far as training went i mean you were always a, a, a fit guy kind of pretty all-round fit guy but generally it was the strength side of things bodybuilding lifting heavy stuff now look at your instagram you're pretty heavy into crossfit which was something that a few years ago no way that was going to happen might have gone into a crossfit gym to you know deadlift take the <laughs> deadlift and take the piss out of people doing crossfit um, yeah, yeah, yeah. how did you uh, how did you get into that um physical training is my way of controlling an element of self-abuse to a degree not don't harm myself but i wouldn't train him um unfortunately i took up boxing i couldn't have had a, any shorter boxing career by snapping my bicep in a fight um and I need, yeah, full distal, uh, distal uh, detachment. Um, and then, yeah, come out into lockdown. And I looked at CrossFit like a lot of people do. And I know people are going to listen to this. I was that guy. Um, I needed to get out of my comfort zone. I like to push limits. But the big part for me was that I recognized I was struggling through my anxiety not because we're in lockdown through through um, COVID, it was because I, I don't put myself in a social environment. So that was one of the reasons. I put myself in a social environment. I got myself a coach, trainer, uh, Natasha at CrossFit Luton. Wow. Weightlifting coach, CrossFit coach. Incredible. Like, that, phenomenal. And yeah, so what, what it is now, it's like, I, I can't go into something 
without taking it to the highest level possible. I will put every bit of time into it. It's a bit of survival because I feel like if I don't stop, I'm going to run the risk of my mental health because it's a big core part. It's, you know, it's the framework for me. If I was to turn what my life is like into the Maslow hierarchy of needs, my training would be at the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, uh, the community side of it. Like I've made some friends. Like I can be open about there. I've found a safe place. Like I look forward to going there. And, yeah, uh, I, I have to push limits. Whatever it is, I've got, I want to know where my body can go. But it's where my mind goes as well. Yeah, CrossFit, do you know what? It's changed my life. Like, it always happens. We spoke about development. I can honestly say that that, that gym, that box, Natasha, the people in there, has, has changed my life. My anxiety has got a little bit better for, for now. It might, it might change. But it's, 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 CrossFit has changed my life. Like, I, I believe that. Take what you want. Comment about your what. Slate your what you want. I don't care. Like, it's it's changed my life. Does that mean you're going to be competing anytime soon? Uh, 100%. Like, that's happening. Trust me. Like, I'm going to win the CrossFit Games. That's what I think with my bipolar. Because <laughs> I know that I'm not. Like, if you watch the last game, Jesus, wow. Matt Fraser, animal, Tia, animal. The events that they did, I sat there, I went and trained after it. I was like, yeah, let's go. I lasted about two miles and come back home. <laughs> but anyway, it was inspiring. But yeah, 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 I, I will compete 100%. Um, I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm learning a lot about training. And I think that as trainers, you need to put yourself in an environment where you can learn from someone else. I tell you what, if you, if you don't do that, complacency is going to hit, development is going to hit, if you look at it as a business way, that's going to hit. If you really care about your clients, they could potentially suffer. Get yourself a good coach. And I have learned so much. I had the flexibility. Like, I was like, yeah, I can touch my toes. Wow. Try putting a barbell above your head and squatting. Like, that won't happen with me. Like, my, my body hurt. Instead of just upright rowing 90 kilos because I was strong enough, like, my shoulders blew out the first month. I, I couldn't even lift things up. I was like, ah. Once you start getting the mechanics of weightlifting, it gets a little bit easier. And then you add weight and it just completely changes. Yeah, mate. Honestly, CrossFit has changed my life. And I can see you two going. <laughs> no, I <laughs> like, do CrossFit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, the main thing I do is still running, but um, yeah, 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 I do CrossFit. Try and yeah, get in there two but, or three times a week. This is just, yeah, it's like you say, it's, it's something about just pushing yourself really hard. And the as personal trainers like you'll both know about this just generally being self-employed not even just as personal trainers you you spend a lot of time on your own and you go into crossfit and it's just a lot of people who are kind of like-minded and this won't be specific to crossfit kind of just fitness classes generally people go in there you got a lot of people with you know they've got at least one thing in common and you've got at least one thing in common with every single person in that room and you can just go in there as a, again from a trainer's perspective sometimes you really just can't be asked to sit there and write out your own program it's good to oh, yeah, go yeah, in yeah. there and, and have someone tell you what to do and then all you've got to think about is just pushing yourself as hard as you can through it and you learn stuff that the thing about crossfit is it's very skill orientated you've got stuff oh. like you say overhead squats so, weightlifting you know cleans Gymnastic. and snatches and jerks <laughs> gymnastics is and but i sat down with someone the other day 
a new client and I send to her, look, one thing we'll always try and do is focus on developing different skills throughout because then you've always got some kind of positive reinforcement coming in. Like if your goal is to, to lose weight, say, because that's a common goal, just stick that on the back burner and say, right, I want to do, I don't know, snatch half my body weight. I want to row 2K in under four minutes or, you know, that's a ridiculous time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my point is, if if you've got all these kind of micro goals, then you've always got that positive feedback. You don't then, if you're struggling with one thing, but you're excelling in four others, those four others will trump the one thing that that you're struggling with. And the thing with, with CrossFit and other kind of training modalities like it is because you've got so much skill-based movement, you're always going to be improving at something. Like if your deadlift maybe is a bit stagnant, your handstands will be improving or your snatch will be improving or your rope climbing will be improving or whatever it is. So you've always got, and I can totally see from a, a mental health perspective, how that can be good because you've always got some sort of positive reinforcement, positive feedback um, coming at you. And when you get into some of those, some of the wads you do, some of the workouts, particularly the shorter ones where you really got to push hard, you don't think about anything other than what you're doing at that moment. And when you finish it, all you think about is, holy fuck, that really hurt. And uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it just takes your mind off things for a few minutes. No, 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 that's it. Like, everyone looks CrossFit, right? People getting injured, people like, you, you get injured, right? Like, you get hit by something, you're going to get injured. But injury prevention starts with yourself, all right? Like, impact can't necessarily help that necessarily, but you can prevent a lot of injuries by just stretching alone and then building the framework through that and making your movement more functional after and stuff like that. And obviously, everyone looks at it as high-intensity training. It's not all it. The programming, right? Classes are programmed, right? They're not just lift weights. Like, they are programmed very, very well. I'm not, I'm just going through strength and conditioning coaching course. I am no way near an Olympic lift or weightlifting coach by a long shot. But as a trainer, it is very, very well programmed. And yeah, it's, Yes, you know, it's where I will will be will, where I'll be staying for foreseeable future. I think on the mental health side of things of CrossFit as well, and not just CrossFit, any kind of, you know, I think F forty five blowing up in the UK at the moment. A lot of these places where I don't know much about that, but all uh, these di- all of these different concepts, as long as they're programmed well, they are a community based thing, aren't they? So I think most of us are social animals. Not everyone, but most of us. And I think whatever you can do to, you know, enjoy yourself whilst in a social environment, yeah, it's a lot easier to do so. My partner and a few of our friends have been going to the gym a lot more recently. We get up every morning at 6am, head over to the gym at 6.30 and yeah. we get the session done. At the minute, there's about six of us in the gym. Yeah, yeah I love that. Uh, I'm not a morning person. A lot of people aren't morning per- people. But I think adding that social element to it, all of a sudden, we're there. Someone isn't there, 
they're, they're getting shit about it the following day while on your vet. Yeah, right. that's um, the social incentive right there. Mm. So I think whatever you can do, um, whatever someone's goals are, listen to this, whatever they may be, if you can add a social element to those goals, it's probably going to be easier to achieve. Yeah, agreed. And it's scary. Do you know what? Going into a group environment, I will speak for first down. I've been a trainer for a long time. I've done a lot of big things in my time, as obviously we've spoken about. But I tell you what, the first time I walked into that group environment, I absolutely shit myself. Right, and it is scary. And I've I've been working, I've been training group exercise for a long time, and gym anxiety is a thing, right? Totally, um, you know. And I've seen people come in and break them down, but I promise you, I you have to try it, okay? You have sometimes you have to walk into things head first, and little things about anxiety, you do have to challenge them, and you do have to walk into them. Um, and group exercise, man, right, is just that right there, working in a group, social, social incentive, is is phenomenal, very powerful. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's a good place to, to wrap things up as well. Dean, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really good having you. You've brought up some, some really, really good points. Um, and yeah, been just been really interested in listening to you today. Where can people go to find out more about you, more about what you're what you're doing? It's just through Instagram pretty much for just self-care use. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's just new element underscore, uh, new, <laughs> new, N-U underscore element. And that's it. That That's all it is for me. Cool. Luke, same question. Yeah, so on Instagram, um, Zen underscore anatomy. Facebook is Zen Anatomy Sports Therapy and the website zenanatomy.co.uk. Just quickly, I want to go back to Dean before we do this. Earlier on, did you say there's an organisation called And Together? Is that what you said it was? Yeah, very new. Basically, there's a couple of gentlemen building it through their own experiences. Very powerful, powerful experiences. Yeah, so it's, it's And as in like... The sign and you're talking to someone that don't do grammar, whatever it's called, but anyone gets what I mean. Um, the curly yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, we're on the same level. Um, yeah, together, um, I was able to put a video on there. They, they asked me to do a video for them about what's gone on. Um, and basically, every everything the clothing that they sell, it, it looks good, like I like it, I really like it. So, basically, everything you know, the, the clothing sold wise and the money from the clothing goes um to um phone call basically that sp- phone calls that speak to people that are struggling with their mental health um and they also work with some other projects there there are a couple of guys in there that that what well, i believe there's a couple of guys that are really really doing everything they can to get their message out there and i think it's just remarkable cool so we've got new element, NU underscore element, Zen underscore anatomy. And I am at Paul Rose PT across everything, paulrosept.com. And you can also find the podcast at Talking Fit Pod. Thanks very much for tuning in today. And we will speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>